Stanford versus UConn in the NCAA tournament. We're used to hearing that phrase, but usually that means women's basketball. Not this time. We're talking baseball once again on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Friday, June 10th, 2022. Great to have you with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Hello, how you doing? And boy, oh boy, boy, is this going to be a fun episode because we have a lot of fun and exhausting things to review from the past weekend and a lot of fun things to preview for this upcoming weekend for Stanford baseball as the Cardinal survive and advance to the Super Regionals where they will host the Yukon Huskies, maybe in some respects an, an unlikely opponent, but in some others, an opponent that certainly deserves to be on this stage. We'll talk more about that throughout the course of this episode. We'll, of course, have a little help from our special guests from Stanford Baseball, Cardinal sophomore infielder and a guy whose name I really like, Tommy Troy, who was lights out, magnificent, hit 600 during the Stanford Regional, and oh, by the way, played a big, big role in how things went down the stretch in Stanford's uh, regionals clinching win against Texas State. So we'll get Tommy Troy's thoughts on his role on uh, Monday night's win for Stanford baseball and an up-and-down season for him, but boy, has it been on a great trajectory over the past few weeks. could say that about the team as well. Tommy Troy will take us inside the uh, Stanford uh, locker room uh, later on in the show. And looking forward to getting the UConn side of things with another special guest, play-by-play man Adam Giardino, who calls UConn baseball on the radio side. He'll tell us, how did UConn get here? And, oh, by the way, the regional that UConn won at College Park in Maryland a lot of wacky stuff happened in that one, too. So Adam will take us through all of those things when he joins us later on in the program. Who am I? I'm Troy Clarity. Just finished my eighth year of play-by-play with the Pac-12 Network. This upcoming fall will be my 30th season following Stanford football and Stanford sports as a whole. And I've seen a lot with Stanford sports over those coming up on, well, 29 years, technically, coming up this fall. But my 30th season overall. I've seen a lot. Where does what we saw on Monday night at Sunken Diamond rank? We'll tell you about that a bit later on in the show. And look, I I was not planning on doing a tree cast this week. I'll be dead honest with you. I was just going to take a couple days midweek, celebrate the, celebrate the anniversary with the wife, head out of town for a couple days, and just keep it moving. Come back to Sunken Diamond on Saturday. But man, after a result like that, the way that it happened... And, of course, folks on Twitter clamoring for a tree cast this week's. I am nothing if not a man of the people. So here you go. Give the people what they want. <laughs> a tree cast this week previewing Stanford versus UConn. And just such an incredible setup, an incredible way to go, an incredible win. Stanford head coach David Esker had another word to describe that win after it was all said and done on Monday night. A miracle win, you know, uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to be part of some miracle finishes, you know, all the way back to 1987 uh, in Omaha with Paul Carey's Grand Slam, but this one's right up there. Yeah, and, and, and a win that, that Stanford sports fans are going to be talking about for a long, long time to come. We'll tell you three things you need to know about Stanford baseball after that regional result. First, 
Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL Hockey Conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to, pre- to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Getting on the action is, is indeed what we do here on the TreeCast, and we're going to get in on three things you need to know about Stanford baseball after that regional was all said and done. Let's dive into it with number one. And Stanford began the regional last Friday by blasting Binghamton 20-7, but a 5-2 loss to Texas State the next day put the card in the elimination bracket. Stanford won twice on Sunday, spotted UCSB a 2-0 lead, then found itself down after 4-3 after five innings before Brock Jones' two-run double in the sixth put the card ahead for good. Stanford knocked out the Gauchos 8-4, then Carter Graham homered twice, Drew Bowser added a two-run shot, and the card beat Texas State 8-4, to force the, if necessary, game on Monday night. Both teams scored a run in the second inning, but it remained a 1-1 game throughout. In the fifth inning, Brock Jones singled. Eddie Park was sent home from second, but got thrown out at the plate by a fairly wide margin. Bobcats had a runner at third and one out in the seventh, but Ryan Bruno came in the game and struck out two batters to end the threat, pumping himself up and the entire sunken diamond crowd. Brave Montgomery came in from right field to pitch the eighth, Got two strikeouts and a pop-up. Montgomery singled in the bottom of the eighth, but was stranded there. To the ninth inning, we went, tied at one apiece. Montgomery still on the mound, walks the first two batters, gets a flyout and a strikeout, an intentional walk to Texas State's hottest batter to load the bases. Then on the next pitch, the Bobcats got a two-run single to take a 3-1 lead. Montgomery gave way to Brant Panzer, who got the strikeout to finish the top half of ninth. Texas State, three outs away from its first-ever Super Regional. They didn't get there. Off the Bobcats' ace, who came on to relieve the Bobcats' closer, who actually started the game and was magnificent through seven innings, Drew Bowser took the second pitch he saw, put it over the left field fence for a solo home run. Texas State's lead cut to 3-2. Next batter, Tommy Troy, sent an 0-1 pitch deep just over the center fielder's glove and off the camera tower for the game-tying home run. We'll ask Tommy about that in a few minutes. Insanity, it's sunken. Pitching change, Eddie Park singles, Adam Crampton drops down the sack bunt, Brock Jones intentionally walks, and freshman pinch hitter Trevor Haskins got the walk-off single to score Eddie Park, beat Texas State, and send Stanford to the Super Regionals. Final score, Cardinal 4, Bobcats 3. Never in doubt, right? <laughs> After the game, Park took us inside the card dugout when Texas State took that 3-1 lead. I feel like we've been in a lot of uh, situations like this throughout the year, which and helped us uh, stay calm in those situations. Uh, I remember when Braden came out, you know, he was, he was feeling a little down. You know, he was blaming that um, that on himself. But, you know, I told him, you know, you know, we got each other's backs. You know, we've been doing that the whole year, you know, and just, you know, just to continue to believe in your teammates. And um, it, it was really cool how it ended up. And especially, you know, getting Trevor here, who's been, you know, patiently waiting to get his opportunity all year. He comes up and does that. It's, it's a, it's a cool story. For sure. Yeah, cool story. Cool story indeed. Uh, Eddie Park's a pretty cool story too, which brings us to number two. The Stanford Regional Most Outstanding Player, the aforementioned Eddie Park. The sophomore from San Jose 
paced Stanford's lineup all weekend with little hits, big hits, and scored the regional winning run. Park hit 700 in the regional, 14 for 20 in Stanford's elimination games against UC Santa Barbara and the final two against Texas State. Park went 10 for 11. What a weekend for that young man who told us why he had such a hot bat during regionals. What helped me this weekend was really committing to a plan at the plate. Um, I felt like for a lot of the season, I wasn't really confident in a plan. You know, I was half and half, you know, I was I was fully committed. But um, this weekend, I really, I really bought into the idea of, you know, committing to a plan, you know. If I don't get the pitch I was looking for, then so what, next pitch. And uh, I really took it pitch to pitch, and I think that's what helped me uh, be successful this weekend. Yeah, and that plan worked, man. Thanks to that performance in the regionals, Park season batting average went up 42 points. As much attention as the guys at the top and in the heart of Stanford's lineup get, the bottom puts in work, too, and it has all year, not just Park, but Adam Crampton. Been tremendous in extending innings and turning over the lineup all year. Really cool note. Eddie Park scoring the decisive run on the pinch hit from Trevor Haskins. Park from Valley Christian High School in San Jose. Haskins, also a Valley Christian warrior. He had a pretty big regionals, too, making, making, making his first start of the season. And Carter Graham missed a game against UC Santa Barbara with a lower body injury. Haskins coming through then and against Texas State as well. A lot of Stanford players had memorable regionals, but only one could win the most outstanding player trophy. Congrats to Eddie Park. You have my vote. Let's finish it up with number three. And Stanford's heroics at the plate were impressive, but don't forget the work done by the pitching staff. Drew Dowd threw two and a third innings in relief in game seven against the Bobcats. He was one of six pitchers that Stanford called upon to get the job done that night. After the game, he told the media that it was certainly a team effort. From Bruno coming in after me to me picking up Meyer. I mean, everybody on our pitching staff, I'm so proud of all those guys. And, you know, I mean, I'm up here right now, but any one of those guys could be up here because they all did great jobs today. That's Drew Dowd, Joey Dixon, Max Meyer, Dowd, Ryan Bruno, Braden Montgomery, and Brant Panzer all took the hill for Stanford in just that one game alone. Look, in, in some ways, it's harder to win a regional than it is to win a Super Regional. Look, Super Regional is two out of three, right? But if you fall into the elimination bracket in the Regional, as Stanford did, that means you have to play at least one more game to catch up to the leaders, and that means you have to use more arms. Stanford played five games over that Regional. Don't forget that. So if your pitching depth isn't there, if you run out of quality arms, your season's going to end. Stanford's loss to Texas State in the 1-0 game meant Stanford had to play three games in two days and win them all. Card used five pitchers in the Sunday games against UC Santa Barbara and Texas State. Dowd started against the Gauchos. Then Quinn Matthews finished with a six-inning effort and a real battle in the ninth when he threw 32 pitches but held off the Gauchos. And against the Bobcats, freshman Ty Huber went five innings at the start. Then Bram Panzer and Ryan Bruno didn't allow an earned run the rest of the way. That, of course, set the stage for that all-hands-on-deck night in Game 7. And David Esco was certainly glad that it all worked out. I can't uh, speak highly enough what Coach Eager has done for us and the pitching staff. I mean, I, we needed everybody. I think we led the league in ERA, and we needed the whole staff that led the league in ERA to be able to hold those guys down because that is one heck of an offense. And some of those, the, the shortstop on their team's player of the year, he's, he's definitely a player of the year candidate. And obviously the number three hitter who kind of, 
touch this up for three home runs we had to we had to deal with David Esco with a shout out to Stanford pitching coach Thomas Eager and and look my big concern for Stanford in the regionals was whether it had the arms to get out of the elimination bracket if it got there fortunately for the card it did what a regional who knows what's to come <laughs> in the week ahead those are three things We'll get the UConn side of things from uh, Adam Giardino, the UConn baseball play-by-play man coming up a bit later on in the program. Looking forward to having that chat, plus a couple of other news and notes that we'll discuss later on in the show. But let's get right into it with our special guest, our first special guest of this episode of the show. And let's take you inside the Stanford dugout with the sophomore from Los Gatos, an infielder who... Just lit it up during the regional. 12 of 20 with three home runs, seven driven in, and eight runs scored. Named the all-regional team designated hitter. And boy, what a role he played in that final game to give Stanford that regional win. Pleasure to welcome into this episode of the TreeCast, Tommy Troy. Tommy, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing? Excellent. I'm doing great. Uh, you uh, seen or participated in any uh, good ball games lately? Uh, yeah, just quite a few this past weekend. I was having some fun, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. That incredible finish uh, to knock out Texas State and to head to the uh, Super Regionals to host uh, UConn. And let's just start with let's just start here. Stanford down three one, going into the bottom of the ninth. Drew Bowser homer, homers to take to make it a three two ball game. You're coming to the plate. Take me from there. What's going through your mind? What are you expecting? What are you getting? And and when how's that result at the end of it? I mean, my bad. I was just looking to hit a fastball hard. I saw the from the other four or five previous at bats, he's throwing a lot of fastballs. So I was like, I'm just gonna try to hit something hard. He starting off with the first bit slider. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna stick with the approach and hit something hard. Didn't really care where it was. I mean, at the very least, just try to find a way to get on base. But you know different thing happened and I was happy with that result for sure yeah certainly as that ball was sailing towards center field you know what, what did, did you know it was gone right as you right as the right as the, hit, right, right as the ball <laughs> off left the bat I mean I mean I knew it definitely had a chance I've been humbled at sunken diamond quite a few times at night especially uh, <laughs> a couple nights before I thought I had one it went off the top of the wall <laughs> but you know I was really happy with what happened I'm so happy that our team was able to pull through that situation uh, the infamous sunken diamond force field that has uh, driven back <laughs> yes. many a ball and kept it in the yard, especially for yes. night games. In- 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 intriguingly enough, you're from Los Gatos. Uh, Eddie Park and Trevor Haskins. Park scored the game-winning run. Trevor Haskins knocked him in, both from San Jose. So some South Bay kids uh, playing some starring roles uh, in that uh, big comeback win on on Monday night. Now, how, how far do you go back with 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 Eddie and Troy? Is it further back than your respective Stanford careers? Oh, definitely. I mean, me and Eddie used to play travel ball on the Almaden Bulldogs when we we're 10, 11 years old. And it's just so and I, and I've known Trevor for a really long time as well. So it's just so awesome, you know, that we came together in college and were able to share that special moment with each other. What does that result and the overall road that Stanford needed to take to win that regional and the way it was able to, to win that game, pull it back from the brink in the elimination bracket and then pull it back from the brink in game seven. What does that overall result in your mind say about what this team is capable of and what it's all about? 
we can just we can just deal with anything, any sort of adversity. I mean, this this team has gone through so much. This we've gone the ups and downs from the beginning of the season. I'm just so proud of all the guys. I mean, like we can go to war with anybody. Is pretty much what it says, and just super proud of our team. Well, you were a big weapon uh, for Stanford in this regional. Uh, we gave you the numbers, hitting 600, hitting big home runs, scoring eight runs as well. What went into that uh, big weekend for you? I've been, I've been working uh, really hard uh, the past couple months. Um, definitely just, you know, I didn't have the best start going into the season. Then I got injured. And just after that, it just kind of made me just appreciate what I had, appreciate baseball more. And I think just a lot of it went into just me playing more freely and just, you know, having more fun. So I feel like that definitely contributed to uh, my success this past weekend, just trying to have fun and, you know, play with passion. Interestingly enough, you've hit 15 home runs in your Stanford career so far. Seven of them have come in the postseason, three this past weekend and four in uh, last week, last year's run to and through Omaha as well. Uh, what is it about the postseason that maybe puts, puts a little extra pop in your bat there towards the very end? Uh, uh, maybe I just play up to the moment. I, you know, I just, I love, I love the postseason. I love the energy, the high energy, the competition, you know, I guess that could play a factor into it, but you know, it's just, just the way it is. And, you know, it's very fortunate that it's during those times and I'm just going to keep staying consistent with that for the rest of this postseason. You mentioned a few moments ago, uh, maybe kind of an up and down season for you in, in some respects, uh, injuries, maybe midway through, uh, how has this year, how has the year been for you overall? And what have you learned about yourself as a student athlete, as a result of some of the things that you've gone through in the 2022 campaign? Um, you know, this year was a huge learning experience for me, especially, um, just, you know, dealing with failure. I mean, uh, obviously the first half of the season didn't go my way whatsoever. And, you know, I just feel like it was just a huge, um, growth, just huge growth for me to be able to go through something like that and um, be able to power through the rest of the season and be able to just ultimately help our team win games of this postseason. That's when it, you know, it really matters. You know, I'm just, I'm just happy to be where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I think that perhaps mirrors a little bit what the team went through uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, we talked about it a lot on, on last week's show. Stanford starting one and five in Pac-12 play, tied for worst at that at that particular spot. Uh, but then getting getting right against Washington State and gaining momentum consistently for the rest of Pac-12 play and winning the championship in the regular season and the tournament as well. What was there a moment along the way for the team as you sensed it that? you knew things were, were back on track and that things were, were, were completely and totally heading in the right direction that, that everyone expected this team to be in right from the start? Yeah, I would say it was honestly, especially for our offense, um, obviously the team aspect, we've always been super close with each other, but especially on offense, I, we just started I, practicing a little bit differently. Um, it was like during practice, we started getting even more competitive. You know, it was less like the hitters feeling their swings, you know, getting all in the mechanics of, of baseball more just playing free and playing competitive and I feel like once we kind of got that down or you know we're just playing baseball every day rather than just working so meticulously on our swings and mechanics I feel like once we just freed everything up our offense came together and our our pitching came together and we just started winning games.
Yeah, and certainly the results, uh, the proof is in the pudding, uh, so to speak, and certainly with this lineup as dangerous as it is, and and and, and really from from top to bottom, Brock Jones got it going, and then and then Carter Graham has been magnificent all season long. Um, yourself, Adam Crampton, even in the nine spot, has done terrific things in turning over the lineup. I mean, what what particular things make this lineup so dangerous? We just have, I just feel like we have a complete lineup um, from power. Um, to on base, to to stealing, to just guys that can just get the job done. I mean, we have, like Carter Graham is just has been an absolute beast for us this whole season, and then we have guys like Adam Crampton who will just drive in runs when we really need him. He'll get out his we always say we give up his left arm to get certain clutch RBIs. I mean, we just have a complete lineup one through nine, and guys on the bench that can get to the job done when we need them to. So uh, we just have a super deep offense, and I'm super excited to keep going through this postseason. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. The home run, of course, has been a big reason uh, for, for Stanford's offensive success. Braden Montgomery's had a couple this year, uh, one down in Westwood and another one down in Scottsdale <laughs> Pac-12 tournament. I'm not sure either of those um, have landed uh, to this point. Um, it's intriguing to see, I think, how Stanford might be perceived on the outside. Even though they've got the number two overall seed coming into the tournament, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong here, but I still get the sense that maybe in some respects, Stanford is maybe a bit underestimated, maybe in some senses underappreciated somewhat as well, especially as far as as, as, as far as the edge that Stanford can play with. Uh, I've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it as well. Where does the edge and the drive and the hunger on this team come from and and how neat is it when you when you pop it all on unsuspecting foes i mean i'll have to contribute that to just every individual every individual on our team just loves confrontation we love to play with edge and that also um, comes with our amazing coaching staff who you know we we practice with edge we practice competitive and you know that goes that's show that's gone a really long way with how we compete on the baseball field during the games now, last year, the big uh, team thing was uh, growing the mustache. Uh, this year, the big thing seems to be uh, seems to be going blonde. You're wearing a cap as I say this, so I can't, yeah. so I can't quite see. Okay, a all right. A little bit. Just there a little it is, bit. a little bit. And, and, and even Esky says, hey, you know, if, if, if we make it to Omaha, I might get my tips done just a little bit. Whose idea was, was it to go blonde? And you know, how do y'all come up with that kind of stuff? Well, we have a group chat, and, you know, the seniors are kind of, you know, hey, like postseason's coming up. We need to figure out what we're going to do. So we put a little poll in the group chat and, you know, everyone kind of disagreed. Like, you know, let's go bleach, highlights, frosted tips, whatever you got to do. Some, mess up your hair somehow just for the team, you know. <laughs> and it's surprise Everybody was on board. Like, you know, everybody on the team pretty much got it done, whether they wanted to or not. It just shows, like, you know, what type of team we are, you know. Everyone's just kind of with each other, you know. Yeah, I think that's just what, what's going to help us win the whole thing. Couple last things for you here. Um, with a name like Tommy Troy, USC had to give you a call at some point. They're recruiting, right? I mean, yeah, come on. It, it seems I've too obvious that. there. <laughs> I've gone that many times in the past, and I actually have never been recruited by USC, but it's it's funny. They're a loss. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Their loss. All right, let's uh, focus on this weekend. Uh, UConn, the Huskies, uh, coming on this side of the uh, continent. UConn's done some good things. They've won almost 50 games this year. This is a very good ball club and one that is no stranger to postseason success. 
your initial thoughts on the Huskies and your keys to success uh, for the Cardinal this weekend and uh, making sure and helping that everyone gets to punch their tickets and start booking plane flights to Omaha for next week. Definitely. I mean, yeah, just from what I've seen from UConn, they're definitely not a team that we, you know, we expect just to, you know, we can't just show up to the game and play and expect to win. You know, we got to, we, we, they're not, uh, they shouldn't be underestimated. They seem like a really good ball club. They have some good pitching. They got some guys who can hit. We just need to play our game. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely sure that we'll win, we'll win the first two games. Oh, I like how you think. And I know what you're saying there. I caught, <laughs> caught that. I like that. <laughs> hey, Stanford's game to this point has been clutch and big hitting, terrific defense and stellar pitching as well. And Stanford has been able to use that in this incredible run that continues into the Super Regional Week and a big cog in Stanford's success this year. Tommy Troy, the Cardinal infielder who was lights out last week and hoping for more of the same along with the rest of his teammates this week against UConn. Tommy, thanks a bunch. Best of luck. I'm not going to lie. Whenever you do good things, that means the Stanford crowd's chanting Troy, 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 and I'm not mad at that at all. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. We'll talk again Thank soon. you. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Tommy Troy. I appreciate uh, him taking the time. USC didn't call him? okay all right again that's on them and it seems to have certainly worked out for the cardinal and for tommy himself but tommy coming up coming up big time and time again as well as well as as well as eddie park uh throughout that regional and uh he and the team never gave up at any point even when it was tough early in the season in late march when stanford was was looking up at just about everybody else in the pac-12 standings they just went to work and they just loosened up a bit. And things got better from there. Stanford playing for a Pac-12 championship and winning it, not just in the regular season, but in the tournament as well. And the Cardinal putting it all together at the right time. Look, their gaudy win streak that they had coming into the regionals is gone, thanks to Texas State. But, man, that was – this is still a hot team, man, and still one that, that is going to give anyone problems – as far as it advances, hopefully beyond this weekend. Now, I've been coming to Sunken Diamond and checking out Stanford baseball since 1995. It's a long time. It's a long time. Longer back then than any of the players, any of the student athletes on this year's Stanford baseball squad were even around. And... Many of you longtime listeners to the TreeCast know that, look, I'm not given to recency bias, right? I think so many times we're in such a rush to anoint the thing that we've just seen as the greatest thing we've ever seen or the worst thing we've ever seen. We're in a recency bias era. So I, I try not to play into that. I'm not generally given into that. That being said, that was the best game I've ever seen in Sunken Diamond in 27 years of watching Stanford baseball play in that park. Best game I've ever seen. From a high-stakes standpoint, from a high-energy standpoint, from a dramatic standpoint, my word. <laughs> the only other game I could think of that I saw with my two eyes at Sunken Diamond that could possibly compare to what we saw on June 6, 2022, was game one of the 1999 Super Regional that Stanford hosted against USC. You might remember that one. Ace versus ace for Stanford, Jason Young, and for USC, 
Some guy named Barry Zito. Stanford won that one, won nothing. Crowd was electric that night. That's the only game that I think can possibly compare to what we saw on Monday night at Sunken Diamond. And even then, I, in some ways, I don't think it does. Best game I've seen at Sunken Diamond. Best crowd I've seen at Sunken Diamond. Heck, don't take my word for it. David Esker got pumped up by the crowd as well. Yeah, absolutely. Could really, and, and could really feel them in the big outs a couple times when Ryan Bruno was out there on the mound. Uh, you could feel that when, when, when Drew is on the mound. And then, and then in the ninth inning, to just kind of feel that energy, that don't give up energy, like, hey, this isn't over with. Yeah. That bases loaded, base hit can't be the end of this. And they were, try, they were kind of willing us through a little bit. And then after Bowser hits that home run, you could just, you could just it was electric. And then got, you know, that might have been part of, part of the energy that Tommy Troy had to, to, to back that up. Yeah, just a marvelous night all around for Stanford baseball and, and one that I'm sure that uh, even if you weren't there, 2,600-plus, uh, the attendance at Sunken Diamond, uh, and, and it was a packed house on a Monday night, 2,600-plus uh, were there. A lot more folks will claim that they were. But whether you were there or not, if you watched it, man, you're, that's not going to be a game that, that you're going to forget. I mean, to me, that's, that's right up there with uh, Stanford football 2011 versus USC. Right up there with Stanford men's basketball with KC Jacobson hitting the three against Duke in 2000. And, of course, Art Lee and Mark Madsen doing what they did best in the 98 uh, uh, regional final that sent the Cardinal to the Final Four that year. Right up there. This game was right up there with those. And, look, props to Texas State, right? A team that you knew was going to be dangerous coming in. Props to the Bobcats. They didn't get a whole lot against Stanford. Their offense, as potent as it was coming into the regional, didn't really explode on Stanford. But what they got, they made it count. They scored first in all three of their meetings against the Cardinals. And Trevor Stivers, the closer, turned starter in Game Seven. Man, he was that. That was that was the stuff of um, the uh, kind of stuff that I'm sure is going to go down in Texas State lore. And I think that team is definitely going to go down in Texas State lore. Their head coach, uh, Stephen Trout, I was in on their post game press conference, and Trout choked up a couple times during his post game presser. Hard to blame him. The emotions of that season. After coming back from being under 500 to now playing for a chance and being three outs away from a super regional, and the emotions of that game, hard to blame Stephen Trout for for choking up a couple times during this during this presser. But 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 prompt to prompt to Texas State. Have they announced their themselves on the national college baseball stage? Who knows? But but certainly they've opened up a lot of eyes in the process of of what they did in Stanford over the weekend. So Texas State was Stanford's biggest and most formidable opponent in the regionals. This week, it's all about the UConn Huskies. And UConn, look, let's face it, East Coast baseball, Northeastern baseball in particular, not necessarily on the radar on this side of the planet. But the Huskies are back-to-back Big East champs. They've been in five of the last six NCAA tournaments. They made regional finals in 2018 and 2019, and they're in the Super Regional for their first time since 2011. And as for this year, as late as early May, 
They ranked as high as number 13 in the D1Baseball.com poll and as high as number 10 in the Riders poll. On Monday night, I asked David Esker for his thoughts and his initial take on the Huskies. I've known of UConn for quite quite a while. You know, pay attention to college baseball. Uh, they're an offensive club and, you know, looking to make their mark. And they've had good teams, uh, you know, in, in recent history. I mean, they had quite a few big leaguers. I think, you know, Ahmed at, at with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks and uh, uh, the outfielder Springer. Right, I, I played against I played against them with Springer and Ahmed, and and they had a right-handed pitcher who was uh, who was also a major leaguer, and they had they had an unbelievable team. Um, so I've known of them being good. It isn't a surprise that UConn is is on the scene. Um, so I mean, we're going to expect just what we what we face the whole year is, you know, a good opponent who's ready to play, and we've got to bring our game to be able to to play against them. Well, those were David Esker's kind of knee-jerk thoughts when I asked him about facing the UConn Huskies on Monday night. But now let's do a bit of a deeper dive with a guy who has seen a lot of UConn baseball this season. Matter of fact, he's one of the play-by-play voices for UConn baseball. Adam Giardino joining us on the TreeCast. Adam, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, College Park, it was a fun weekend for the program and going in there, had to knock off number 15 overall seed Maryland, had Wake Forest to handle as well. UConn's the three seed and uh, they were able to do that against two teams that at that point were top 10 in the RPI. And when you win the first two games, it makes it a lot easier. And they were able to hang on for a 3-1 win in that decisive final game against Maryland in front of a, a really hostile crowd. It was a great weekend. Yeah, I mean, kind of keeping an eye on things from, from where I was sitting at Sunken Diamond over the past weekend, there were some things I was seeing in College Park that I was just like, wait, what? What? Huh? What's going on out there? How wacky was that regional? Did it, see, did it seem to be as wacky as, as it seemed to me, kind of uh, t- keeping an eye on things from afar? It, it was. And I think that I'm coming from a UConn perspective in all of this. And UConn, at one point, you know, there are a million different top 25 polls. And UConn cracked the top 10 in a couple of them. Stanford fans might not realize that UConn was 40 and eight to begin the season. And the Huskies travel South, they travel West, they try to schedule themselves a really difficult schedule. And this year it just didn't quite work out that way where they, they scheduled Long Beach state and Southern Cal and a number of these schools out on the West coast that would normally help a Northeast programs, RPI and these schools out West down in Florida just didn't have the years that would have propped up our computer numbers. And so even though we started 40 and eight scuffled down the stretch and we were one of those teams that would have been on the outside looking in um, unless we had won the Big East tournament, which we did. And so I think that for a three seed, only two, three, two, three seeds remain in this tournament. But I think for those on the inside of the program, this is a really good team. And, uh, you know, you don't expect to go in and knock off two top 10 RPI teams, but UConn knew what they were capable of doing, and that's what they did. And, hey, that's what baseball can be all about at times. And, you know, overall, UConn 49 and 14 heading into this weekend. They did win the Big East tournament. How did they get here? How did the Huskies, how were they able to put things together and get to this point? It's interesting because, uh, again, Stanford fans would probably not know that UConn doesn't have its best player. And uh, it's a guy in Reggie Crawford who would have gone top 10 in this year's Major League Baseball draft. He led the Big East as a redshirt freshman in home runs and runs batted in and was a dynamic 6'4", 230-pound first baseman. 
He also learned that he could throw 100 miles an hour on the left side. And so this is a guy that was a two-way player for the national team over the summer and blew out his arm. So he's had Tommy John surgery, not available to pitch, obviously, and wasn't available to hit. So UConn went into the season with the presumptive Big East player of the year, and they've done all of this without him. So it's been a real impressive job among many for head coach Jim Penders, who's uh, in on two decades at the helm of the Huskies. This is the nation's longest um, congealed coaching staff. This entire staff has been together for 12 years total. And, uh, you know, it, in college athletics, that's remarkable, no matter how much success you're having, that guys want to stick around and not go off to greener pastures and try to become head coaches themselves. So all the credit goes to the players. But I think that as much as the coaching staff wants to deflect that attention, I think if you follow UConn baseball, you know that the consistency over 11 years where the Huskies have made eight NCAA tournament appearances really does fall back to the guys that have been there all that time. And that's Jim Penders and the rest. Yeah, Huskies, no stranger to postseason ball. I mean, they've been in what, the five of the last six NCAA tournaments. Yeah. This is their first super regional overall in, in 2011. So this isn't like, you know, this is just, just dropped from the sky and all of a sudden here come the Huskies. This has been a very successful program even though, as you mentioned, they do have to spend a lot of time generally on the road in February and March for obvious reasons. Uh, you know, how has this program been able to sustain the success that it's been able to enjoy uh, for much of the past decade or so? The financial investment recently has finally caught up with the success that the team has had. And that is in no small part to guys like Matt Barnes um, and George Springer, who have gone on to be first round picks and have uh, really lucrative big league careers. So they have contributed back to the program and there's um, the ballpark, brand new ballpark. That's two years old, Elliott stadium on the campus of UConn. And that ballpark is uh, contributed in fun in part by funds from a father son who work in hedge funds in Connecticut, but they're both catchers with the program. And so those that's a, a father son that has given back to the program. And again, I think the resources are finally pouring back in uh, to to cement UConn as the elite Northeast school um, year, you know, a couple of years, Boston college will pop up and have a great season, but the numbers that you mentioned, it's UConn year in and year out. And I think that just having the resources and having all of that success, um, I think that the Stanford fans won't necessarily like to see Justin Willis pop out of the bullpen. He's a transfer that came up from Vanderbilt. So guys that aren't having necessarily all the opportunities at big sec schools, Ben Kasparius is the ace of the staff from a year ago. He's moved on to pro ball, but he was a UNC guy that just didn't quite get the playing time he hoped when he committed there. And so come on up to UConn and, and be part of some winning culture. And that's what a lot of players have done. And I think you'll continue to see that, especially in the age of the transfer portal. Hmm. All right, let's wrap it up on this. And you may have mentioned a couple of key guys for the Huskies who are maybe a couple other key players you might be watching. What's your overall key to success for UConn this weekend? I think that it's for the the batting the well the pitching is third in the country in earned run average going into the NCAA tournament and you can't fake that no matter what your strength of schedule is so if you're just a couple of pegs behind Tennessee in any category this year you're doing something right and that's what the Huskies <laughs> have done for 60 games now this year I think that the 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 key to success if Stanford fans are watching and the UConn hitters are having uncomfortable at bats that that bodes pretty well for Stanford. These are guys that are playing on a bigger stage for the first time in many ways. And I think that there were points where a guy like Corey Morton, a sophomore first team, all big East guy, who's 
who hit 440 in the regular season over 30 something games, uh, he's starting to come back down to earth and striking out a little bit more in that college park regional struck out four times, even uh, the catcher, Matt Donlin, who, who had two massive home runs, uh, including a grand slam in that thinning victory to uh, help secure the, the regional against Maryland. Um, he had a ton of strikeouts. He had eight strikeouts in that, that regional. So guys are starting to get a little, tired we'll see how that works but if if guys seem to be a little out of sorts and maybe guessing at pitches and that that would be the sign I think that that UConn's going to have a rough go of it but if they look comfortable swinging taking pitches working counts that's that's going to be the key to success but I think the optics will be pretty clear uh, whether UConn's going to have a, a a chance to fight there with the with the offense because UConn knows that runs are going to need to be scored in order to keep up with the Cardinal. No doubt about that. Should be intriguing and should be fun to watch beginning with the series opener on Saturday evening. Usually when we're talking Stanford and UConn in the postseason, we're talking women's basketball. But pretty neat to be talking baseball uh, between the Cardinal and the Huskies. Adam Giardino will be on the call from Sunken Diamond for the UConn side of things. Adam, thanks a bunch. Best of luck. Safe travels out this direction. And I'll see you at Sunken this weekend. Yeah, see you in just a couple of days from when we're talking, Troy. Can't wait. Yeah, sure thing. That's Adam Giardino joining us. Adam, the play-by-play uh, -play man for the UConn Huskies, doing a lot of great things both on and off the mic. Appreciate Adam's time and looking forward to uh, hanging out with him a little bit this upcoming weekend. And uh, you, know, you heard Adam tell us uh, UConn, this isn't their first trip out to the West Coast. They took a trip west in mid-March. And had some success. They took two out of three at Pepperdine. That's always going to raise some eyebrows in a positive way. Took two out of three at UC San Diego. And in between those two series, they lost to Long Beach State and beat USC. So the Huskies already 1-0 against Pac-12 competition. And you heard Adam and I talk about it. Look, spending all that time on the road early in the season because, look, let's face it, weather in New England, and look, I can attest to this, right? I, I lived in Connecticut, you know, working for some media company based in Bristol. I lived in Connecticut for four years, so I can personally attest to this. Weather in February and March, not necessarily conducive to baseball. So all that time they spend on the road early in the season, they only had one home game in the season's first five weeks. That was on March 8th, and the high in stores Connecticut that day was 43 degrees and the game summary said that the weather was, and this is a direct quote, windier than Oz. There are many reasons why I live in the Bay Area now and, and not in Connecticut anymore. But that's a big reason why it can be tough for northern schools. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll you know, expand the scope to just beyond the northeastern schools. But, but the northern schools, and I throw Utah and Washington State in that mix as well. It's, why, it's a big reason why it can be tough for those schools to win consistently because you're spending so much time on the road, away from home, away from the classroom, especially early on in the season because you can't depend on the weather where you are to play some home games and to get some, get some games in there. So that's a big reason why it can be tough for Northern schools to win consistently. Not UConn. They've got the coaching staff and they have the resources as well. Elliott Ballpark, I've seen pictures of that place. Pretty scenic. I can only imagine what that place looks like in the fall with the, the canopy of trees um, in the outfield, what it looks like that time of year. UConn, a better team, has better team pitching numbers than, than Stanford does entering this weekend. 
Huskies team ERA is 335. That's almost a full run lower than the second place team in the Big East. Their team whip 1.233. Stanford is 1.32. So so pitching has been has been a strong point for the Huskies for much of the year. Can Stanford solve it? They've found ways to solve other formidable pitching staffs throughout the course of the year. A couple of specific things I'm going to be watching is whether Alex Williams can rebound a little bit from a couple of, of outings in which he might not quite have been up to the line that he had established throughout much of the season, a season that saw him named the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. Williams has been announced as Stanford's probable starter for Game 1, but in his last two starts, got charged with four runs and four and two-thirds against Arizona down in the Pac-12 tournament in Scottsdale, and got charged with five runs and four two-thirds in the loss to Texas State. Can he pound the zone, execute the keys that he told us about when he joined us last week on the TreeCast? Go back and listen to that chat, by the way. I highly recommend it. And perform with the execution, the efficiency, and the emotion, those characteristics that have become Alex Williams' trademarks, especially this season. Looking forward to seeing whether Williams can can rebound and show the form that that he had shown, especially throughout much of April and May. How much do the Huskies have left? It took them a lot. It took a lot of energy. (laughs) It it just took the Huskies a lot to emerge victorious from that uh, regional in Maryland. Guys are banged up. Adam Giardino just just told us about that a little bit. How much do they have left? And oh, by the way, they just had to get on a plane and fly completely across country for this series. I've made that plane ride a few times. Not the easiest thing in the world to do. So how much do the Huskies have left in the tank? And for as much talk from a Stanford perspective that surrounds guys like Alex Williams, Brock Jones at the top of the lineup, uh, Carter Graham, uh, Brett Barrera, Drew Bowser. Why do I get the feeling that this might be decided by someone that we aren't really thinking of right now? That someone that we might not necessarily be mentioning at the start of things might end up being the key to the whole thing at the end of the weekend. Much like Eddie Park did with the regionals. Kind of get that feeling. And it was, you know, after the after the UCSB win for Stanford on Sunday, I asked you know, David Esker about, you know, how he's going to handle his pitching staff, you know, going forward. And he said, look, we're going to, you know, we're going to need some new heroes. We're going to, we're going to depend on Ryan Bruno in a high leverage situation. I guarantee you, we're going to, we're going to depend on Braden Montgomery in a high leverage situation. I guarantee you because, you know, Quint Matthews had just gone six innings and Alex Williams probably wasn't going to be available. So he said, look, we're going to need to find some new heroes. And I have a feeling that, some new heroes may potentially emerge this weekend. Hopefully for Stanford. That would be nice. It would be nice to see the, the Cardinal heading to Omaha once again in back-to-back years. That would be great. As always, I welcome your thoughts on Stanford Athletics, Stanford Baseball. The best thing to do is to hit me up on Twitter with the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast, that's the way to go. 
And uh, give me the follow as well, if you haven't. At Troy Clarity is the way to go there. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Uh, we, of course, are still on an irregular posting schedule, as normally we come at you twice a week during football season, as this is... You know, it's been a Stanford football podcast at heart since we began this thing on 20, in 2015, but we've since expanded the scope to cover things beyond football across all of Stanford athletics, and it's, it's worked out quite well. So subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app, no matter which one your preference is. We come at you via Google Play and Apple Podcasts and Alexa and Spotify and Stitcher. Subscribe to the TreeCast. So when the next episode comes your way, you are ready for it. Will that next episode come next week? Don't know. Don't know. We'll see how it all turns out. I'm looking forward to being at Sunken. First game of the Super Regional, Saturday evening at Sunken Diamond. That is a 7.30 p.m. start. Game two, Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific. And game three on Monday, if necessary. Oh, Dave Fleming's calling the series on ESPN? Oh, all right, that's cool. Be good to hang out with him for a moment or two. Looking forward to that. A lot to look forward to this weekend. Our thanks again to our special guests, Cardinal infielder Tommy Troy and UConn baseball play-by-play man Adam Giardino. Special thanks to them for dropping by and spending some time with us on the show. Special thanks most of all to you for being with us here on the program. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and go card. And we'll see you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online.